Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you. Chicago's Black Business Network is giving away free 90-day business directory listings. Did we say free? That's right, free. Get a 90-day business directory listing at chicagosblackbusinessnetwork.com. Expand your outreach, meet new clients, visit Chicago, that's Chicago with an S, chicagosblackbusinessnetwork.com for details. Chicago's Black Business Network, changing the way that Chicago connects to the world. Sonia Cassandra, Purdue founder. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you. Well, good morning, Chicago. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, Be blessed. It is a beautiful day. Welcome to CBBN Business Journal on the Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, executive producer and your host for this segment. We're having technical difficulties. We can't talk this morning, but we're going to be all, we're going to be all good. We have a very great show coming up with some great information that we want to share with you. Our web-based broadcasts are designed to service the African-American community in Chicago and around the world, and this segment is CBBN Business Journal. And we started this in 2009, and we did a real study to 2012. Then we took a little break, and then we hit it a little more. But now we're back, and we're going to have some great lineups coming for you. This uh, this segment, because we have CBD and Tech Talk, we have the tough questions. Uh, we have different segments going on, and we're going to invite broadcasters to join us as well. But this is where we share success stories about business owners, authors, organizations, and other innovators from around the world. And we have spoken to people from all over this globe, and we're excited about that. We share, and this is why we do this, so that we can all grow from from their experiences. To sponsor a show or to be a guest on CBBN Business Journal, give us a call, 773-609-2226, 773-609-2226. And thank you for being with us. Today's guest is Christopher Watts who is a native Chicagoan and has launched what we've come to know as the Chris Watts Initiative, putting Chicago to work. And I just had a conversation with him, and he says he's been doing this for eight years. Isn't that wonderful? And so every week or so, this list of jobs and activities pops up in my email, offering vital job information listings for the Chicago community. And I certainly share it, and I, uh, I know that the, our Edgewater Library prints out copies uh, for the use of the patrons. He also has a, something referred to as the kindness campaign, and we're certainly going to ask him about that before he leaves today. 
Mr. Watts, welcome to the show. Come on aboard. How are you today? I'm always great. I live a happy and blessed life. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. We're very excited about it. But like we always do, we do this all the time. We want to know about you because it gives people an idea of, of the thought process to let some of it, you know, you can't tell your whole life story. But it gives people an idea about the thought process uh, and the person and what, what led them to this point in their life or to start this particular venture. So I'm going to ask you to describe the community, community that you grew up in Chicago, in, in Chicago. We know you're Chicagoan. And to describe to someone who's never heard of it, maybe in Florida or Brazil, and this, uh, because the show streams all over the world, so tell them what it's like growing up in your Chicago community, Mr. White. Growing up in my Chicago community, at times it was great. At times it was rough. I stayed in a residential area, mostly houses, working families. A few blocks away, there were some projects, but that was maybe a half a mile away. Um, we had streets, and um, when the street lights came on, we were supposed to be in, in front of the house. Everyone knew each other. We had a church, um, a few churches in the immediate community. It was very nice. And what community was that, Mr. Watts? Shasta. And where is that? 93rd and Perry is the block I grew up on. That's a few blocks away from the 95th Street Dan Ryan Station. Ah, 93rd and Perry. Uh, When I was a small child, there's a real tiny little church over there, St. Matthew's. Uh, There's Trinity, and then there's this little church behind it. And until I was 12 years old, that's the church that I went to. But I didn't know that was the name of that community. It is a very nice community, very, very nice. Uh, I I do remember it. I have some good memories from over there. Wonderful. I actually went to Trinity for pre-K, but this was before it had the big building on Eggleston when it was down on Parnell, very small. I remember a young Reverend Jeremiah, um, and I went to St. Thaddeus Elementary School on 95th and Harvard, which was right across the tracks from the new big Trinity. Ah, okay, okay. Wonderful, wonderful. So it's a, it, it is a work, it was a, and still is, I'm assuming, a working class African American community. It was uh, very stable, and I'm assuming and I'm hoping that it is still such at this time. It was a very stable community, a uh, very wonderful community. I, I do remember all those ranches and everything. I remember it very well because I came all the way down from the project because. That church was in the middle of Robert Teller Project, and they moved that church, or they rebuilt somewhere else um, from that. So I, I, I just like people to know a little, little bit about uh, Chicago, and this, is, and this is just one of the ways that they, they learn about it. I guess today is Christopher Watts or the Christopher Watts Initiative, okay? And uh, we're going to talk about a, a few things here. And, but the, the most important thing that we're going to get to t- today is about jobs. Now, I want to ask you, 
What is your observation of the current workforce needs for the community that you service? Well, considering the community that I service, which is primarily the far south and west side of Chicago, um, some of the needs is uh, entry to medium-level jobs. Um, I I think about a lot of the big companies that's been coming to Chicago uh, with McDonald's opening up a corporate location in the West Loop. Uh, Facebook just rented out a bigger space in downtown Chicago a few years ago. We had Google open up an office in the West Loop. Uh, Those are some great opportunities that pays a living wage where a person that's raising a family with one income would be able to live comfortably. Some of the um, skills that's required for opportunities like that is in the areas of technology, communication, presentation, usually requires a degree. So what we have to do early on is with our children going from primary to secondary to post-secondary educational institutions is making sure that they're enrolled in accredited programs, that they're learning, that they're complete internships, they're getting the correct mentorship, and they're getting the correct career guidance. And the and let's start at the beginning of that. In order to get to that point, um, it's something that you mentioned in the information that you sent to me, that the first step before we can get to those points is emphasizing literacy and numeracy, communication skills and presentation skills uh, at the primary and secondary education level. What can we do to keep them interested in literacy, keep them focused on that? Well, I have to say to make someone, people are generally are passionate about and interested in things that they have a genuine interest in. So when explaining to um, people why they should read something, why they should learn something, it needs to be a little bit more than just just do it, but rather how down the line this will make a uh, difference in their life. So with the most part, with how that plays until adulthood when looking at the youth is that typically what I see now with servicing adults, and I did youth programs 17 to 24, everyone can generally obtain a job, but it's hard to find a career you want in life when considering hours, pay, location, and flexibility. When I look at the difference between the individuals who – easily can transition into a career that pays well where they're not stressed out. They're always looking to make a little bit more more versus the individuals that are in high turnover jobs. It's literacy, numeracy, communication, presentation. Uh, it's pretty much known that uh, our education system, the primary and the secondary on the south side of Chicago, is not as strong as it should be. But as an individual, um, when I get to that age, when I'm 18, 19, 20, or even a, a parent at a younger age, have to be knowledgeable of that and just take those extra steps to make sure that their child or that person is in a position to be successful and obtain those positions. And one thing um, that came to my mind when you're saying this, uh, the literacy and all those things, the communication skills, the presentation skills, and the literacy are all important. And it is also important that they come out of families such as yours in that community who emphasize these particular things for them. If the parents themselves 
uh, are reading below uh, whatever the grade levels are or, or the requirement levels for advancement, or they're having problems with basic math, or their their communication skills have never ever been developed uh, beyond the grade school and high school levels, but they're still speaking in the same way, and the vocabulary hasn't expanded at all. That becomes that's because they're non readers and they're not learning, continuously learning. That are we uh, failing, Christopher, to bring the adult family members? into this process? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. I, I always, um, being very conscious of what's going on, I actually um, am different from the general makeup of my community. So right there, I was in Chatham, but right there to the north of it was Auburn Gresham, and right to the south is Roseland. And when you look at the whole area, for example, both of my parents are college graduates. And I didn't necessarily go to the local public school. I actually went to private school. So I had an um, opportunity that pedestaled and propelled me a lot easier than my counterparts in the community. Now, we all know uh, the current family makeup in those communities disproportionately is single parents, uh, one-income households. There's a lot of struggling out there. We have children being raised by their grandparents. That's what um, comes to play when you got to have a good mentorship um, and place to help individuals. So I always say it's nice to have two loving parents, but if that's not necessarily your reality at that moment, you always want to make sure that a child has a mentor and, and good programs where they're looking at positive role models. Absolutely, absolutely. And um I think that the the use of the word mentor needs to, to be better, better understood because a lot of adults need mentoring too, but uh, needs to be better understood and people need to feel comfortable with it uh, and not interpret it as the needing of a mentor as a, a failure in someone's life, but to to reach out and to look for mentors and acquire mentors uh, I was going to go into a Ph.D. program, and they will give us mentors because it's important not to, as they say, reinvent the wheel. It's important to talk to people who have the experience that you're seeking. It's important to read about uh, people who have had the experience that you're seeking and the life you want to live and understand the process that they gapped into that. So we want to be sure that people are confident about the word mentor and how important it is, as you say, and President Obama's example, we don't always find our mentorship or the person who changes our lives or leads us to that paradigm shift in our families or within our friends, our communities, or wherever the case may be. We don't know where we might find it, but uh, it will come to us as we associate with those who are doing what it is that we dream to do. And I'm glad that, that you're uh, – so your program has a mentoring arm for – Is it? and what age group are, are the mentors serving? Well, mentorship is for every age. You know, I think about how accomplished I've been called. I even talk to someone else. You know, I have a um, – I speak with the director of workforce development at the Chicago Urban League, the executive director at Centers for New Horizons. So even myself as an innovator and a person that produces a lot of content, 
I actually get mentored by and talk to someone else and run things by someone else who check me. Like you're never too old, you're never too accomplished to have a mentor. It's not necessarily just a word that should be ostracized and used for someone who is we think is in a lesser position, not necessarily what they want. We're always striving to get better. That's also the same with education and training. I have a bunch of credentials. I have two master's degrees, but I still go to technology training um, a couple times a year. And I sit in a classroom with individuals who may not even have a college degree, but you know what? Technology is always changing. I'm always learning something new. I go to Toastmasters meets in Bronzeville and Inglewood to um, strengthen my communication and presentation skills. I've given over 1,000 workshops over the past eight years, and even with that, I'm always looking at ways to um, build. So mentorship, training, and uh, professional development are not necessarily things that limited to a certain class of people, but be something embraced by everyone, and it's something that we're probably going to have to do our, for the rest of our lives when consider how things change every, very often. Yes, it does. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to speak with you today. Uh, it, it comes up often, and I use this term, a lot of people, uh, young people and older people are changing careers. Sometimes we put our, our ladder up against the wrong wall. We have a desire to do something, but that may not be the most beneficial thing for us to do. And it's difficult to transcend, transcend into these things without getting the proper information. There's a lot of information, but the proper information is more important than just having information. Yes, it's information age, but it's a lot of misinformation that will cause us to continue to be miseducated. So I want to ask you, Mr. Watts, uh, when you talk about workforce training, you mentioned a couple of ways, uh, things that we should look for in training, like training for RN or ETM rather than a CNA, or either as a CNA, maybe making that uh, part of your goal as a career change or changing or training as a chef as opposed to food service. Can you talk about that a little bit? So there's a lot of workforce training programs out here. And over my past decade in the industry, what I've noticed that I've worked with over 1,500 people over the years, and I tend to notice trends with the people that I service in these communities. And when I look at the training programs, I think that the one uh, I've noticed that the ones on the south side and the west side of Chicago steer people towards lower paying, high stress, high turnover job opportunities, whereas the downtown and north, for example, there's an abundance of CNA and phlebotomy and medical assistant programs on the south and west side of Chicago. But if I go downtown and north side, they're talking RN and EMT. On the south side, we're doing food service workers and grocery, whereas the downtown and on the north side, they're doing the chef training program. On the south side, we got janitorial maintenance. On the west side, we got janitorial maintenance downtown. And on the north side, they got a maintenance engineer or a CNC machine operator. Um, as a community, we got to hold our local community organizations and partners accountable to the type of training programs that they be out here. You could think from an anecdotal experience, like when I meet RNs, they generally stay in their jobs for five, ten years at one opportunity. 
I rarely have ever meet a CNA who stays at the same job for at least three years, let alone five, seven, or ten. You know, I meet RNs who are generally comfortable with their income, their liver, stressy life. They're not always talking about how they need to get paid. But I don't necessarily hear that with a CNA. And that's the same with a chef versus a food service worker, a machine operator versus a picker, packer, a maintenance engineer versus a janitor. So when it comes down to these programs, we gotta we uh, we're presenting the information. I wouldn't necessarily like I've noticed a lot of people say it's high demand. It's gonna be a lot of opportunities full time with benefits. This is the wage. Another thing I've also noticed is that no matter what, no company pays well. You only all, everyone gets paid enough to be content to keep coming back. And with that, I mean, like, I've never met someone who said, I'm paid the right amount, I'm overpaid, I shouldn't get paid more. Everyone thinks they should be getting paid more. So you, so you have to make sure you're doing something that you actually like more rather than just being content with something. So it's making sure that you're going down the right career path. The wrong thing to do is to get a career based off of um, how much money you think you might earn. And I'll give myself for an example. When I went to college and grad school, my undergrad is in management, my grad is in human resources. The only reason I majored in management is because I looked at movies and it seemed like the guys who had the prettiest wives and the nice cars was a manager somewhere. And that's specifically why. And then I got my grad degree in human resources. My first job out of grad school was in human resources. But um, it was that job was pretty boring to me. And I ended up actually quitting and doing AmeriCorps, which is how I got into community organizing and workforce development. Now, it does not pay as well as working in corporate or working in human resources, but I'm a lot happier. Like, um, there's a better connection with my work, and I have better work-life balance. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, some of that mentoring and guidance can help people go through that thought process of what's important to them. But sometimes we don't ask what's important to them. Uh, people just assume different things and they, and they make decisions and uh, they can, someone can help us make better decisions sometimes. Some people don't want to ask for advice, but it's there, and we do need it. What's this I hear about uh, the job demands for manufacturing jobs? Um, there's a bit, is there a big demand in Chicago or Chicagoland area for manufacturing people? Well, I'll say yeah, but I'm also going to say no, and let me explain why. I think there's a lot of misinformation of what's manufacturing. When I think of manufacturing, I'm thinking of machine operation. I'm thinking of electrical and mechanical assembly. Let's talk about what's not machine manufacturing. Shipping and receiving, picking and packing, production and those labor jobs. And when I think of manufacturing and what makes you successful when machine operation and assembly is t- blueprint read, um, quality assurance, it's math. So um, the skill that you need to be successful in that is math, shop math probably around the 10th grade level. So a person that could do math at a 10th grade level after a tad bit of direction would probably fare the same as someone who's been working in that industry for five or 10 years. Now, yes, there is a high demand for skilled manufacturing, specifically machine operation, quality insurance, inspection, quality and performance. What is not a big demand then and that I want to emphasize is picking and packing, shipping and receiving, and more so the no-skill entry-level jobs. 
So they're looking for the skilled people as they are looking for the skilled people in technology. We're talking to Christopher Watts, uh, the Christopher Watts Initiative, uh, putting Chicago to work. He's been putting Chicago to work for quite, uh, for quite some time. So they're looking for the experienced people. If I were to ask you the next decade, what's on the horizon for the next decade for jobs? What's the shit they be training for? Well, I won't necessarily say focus on an industry, but rather a skill. So what I always tell people is that um, education and experience is nice to have. But if you're not a doctor, a lawyer, account therapist, a social worker, or a teacher, a specific degree with very specific, narrow experience and internship is not required. For the most part, if you can read, write, speak, and use a computer, you can figure most things out. So we got to emphasize on skills development. So like I said before with manufacturing, the key skill is math. But when I also think about code and, and, and software development, that's also math. And then when I think of a, in a science field like physics or chemistry, that's also math. So when I look at three different um, types of roles, manufacturing, technology, or physics or being a scientist, the key skill is math. You just have a higher proficiency level. I would focus on developing my skill set and then just um, changing my orientation. So manufacturing, technology, science, they typically require the same skill but with a higher proficiency level and a different orientation. So some of the skills that I would focus on is math, um, right, critical thinking, comprehension. When you have those skills, you can typically figure out anything else. You just have to orient yourself that way. Great, great. Now, I want to ask you, uh, we're not going to take a break. I told you this goes very fast, and we can talk for a couple of hours here. But I wanted to ask you before you go, uh, as part of the Christopher Watts Initiative, you have something called the Kindness Campaign. Can you explain that to us a little bit more? So the Kindness Campaign is the civic-oriented organization that I operate, and I'm very proud of it. We actually got Comedy for Calls coming up on November 8th at Jane Boutique in Lincoln Park. Information about that is on the website. So the Kindness Campaign, where um, success is measured in selfless action and kindness is the philosophy of life, does a lot of things in the community around violence reduction, youth empowerment. So on September 27th, we're going to occupy the intersection at 63rd and Ashland. We're going to give away high-fives, handshakes, smiles, water, fruit, kindness cards. We're going to have a community dinner right outside on the corner. We're going to be doing a little bit of smoking word. We're going to have music going on. Just last week, we did three different back-to-school events where we provided haircuts, hairstyles, backpacks filled with supplies, a gang truck, face paint, food, a lot of activities to over 350 students in the Auburn, Gresham, and Inglewood community. Um, the Kindness Campaign on a daily basis probably feeds over 1,000 individuals. We have a relationship with Predomanger in the chopping block. We pick up food for them, and we deliver it to the homeless individuals that are sleeping under the viaducts. We're downtown. We're on the north side. We're on the south side. We also share food with different community organizations. Just this morning, 
um, a tray of food and sandwiches was delivered to Target Air Development Corporation in the Auburn Gresham community to provide to the community and for the attendees at their overcomers group. We're going a lot of things with the kindness campaign. I'm trying to close the deal with a professional service organization that will result in about 200000 in revenues. And in return, I would use that to do stipend, mentoring, and training program for 12, 12 to 15, 16 to 18, and 19 to 24 year olds to make sure that they're getting the mentorship, the skills training, at the same time of putting some money in their pockets. Because I know, you know what, life costs money no matter how drop, regardless if you're 12 or regardless if you're 22. There are things that you want to do. You want to feel like you're out here earning and doing something. So I just want to incentivize individuals to go on the correct path. So like I said, I'm looking to close that deal with the professional services organization at the, by the, within the next month, and I'll be launching that in early 2019. And it's 100% funded, no government funds. You got your plate full there, Christopher Watch. Your plate is full, and that's wonderful. We need that young blood out there. Tell us how we can get on your mailing list, your website, phone number. How can they contact the Christopher Watson Initiative, who is putting Chicago to work? You can look at Facebook if you're looking for employment. Um, the page is Christopher Watson's putting Chicago to work. I post new job opportunities every day. The, you can look up the Candace campaign on Facebook as well. The website for Putting Chicago Work is www.thecwinitiative.com. For the Candace campaign, it's www.kindnesseveryday.org. Wonderful job. Wonderful job. Keep up the good work. We hope to talk to you again at least once every quarter, Mr. Watts, so we can get some updates on what's going on out here with the Christopher Watts Initiative, putting Chicago to work. Thank you so much for being with us today, Mr. Watts. No problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. You've been listening to CBBN Business Journals, and we want to remind you that all of our shows have from the beginning been dedicated to keeping the memory of Harold Washington on the minds and in the hearts of our people. How do you remember Harold Washington? I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network, changing the way that Chicago connects to the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. Look for more CBN Business Journal. Have a wonderful day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.